This is Lorena Junco Margain, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be on your way. Today on On My Way, Lorena and friends have a special bonus episode for you all about your bowels. That's right. Today's episode is titled Finding Balance in Your Bowels, and we can't wait for you to hear it. First of all, I want to talk about destruction of one's spirit. I was going to Renu and learning, and I thought I was making progress. The medical malpractice had not happened yet. And she talked about a specific time where it's very, and she calls it sati sati. It's a very specific time where she puts an example of, imagine you own a restaurant and the inspector is going to visit. So you better have your kitchen clean, the hood degreased, everything shiny. And when you are prepared, you tell him, come on in. You know, you're not fearful or scattered around or hiding things. And Venu told me, so we will be cleaning up your kitchen. At that time, I was like, okay, you know, but then I understood my kitchen and thank God I, I had been doing spiritual work and a lot of introspection of understanding myself. So I want to talk about when your spirit is devastated, broken spirit and you don't know what to do. I think that emotions are very related to your gut. And Renu has taught me wonderful things. There's actually, I would like you to share your funny stories about poop. <laughs> 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 and how you know the gut is your second brain. So in order for you to be making clear-minded decisions... Your gut has feelings as well. So just as a little, you know, humorous thing, I brought a little chocolate for you. I saw that. It's give a crap. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, some chocolate just for you to, you can give it to your kids or whatever. But I love it that it didn't say I don't give a crap. It says, give I, a crap. <laughs> and, and, you know, your, whatever your body is eliminating and by looking at your poop, you're learning a lot about your health. So I hand the mic to Renu and if you could teach us a little bit about this topic. Sure. It's my favorite topic. And, you know, if you come to my office, um, you know, when, to meet with me, I always have a poop pillow with me and... Um, I sit on one, you know, it's next to me because I think ultimately, you know, in my 25 years of doing this, there's not a story that I have not heard. There are, I always say there's no new stories. I've heard the deepest tragedies and 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 triumphs. But ultimately in the in the Indian culture, we say we believe that it all comes down to the digestive, the gut system. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are whatever state you're in, the place to begin is get your digestive system in order. Now, we know in the Indian culture, we've known for thousands of years. You know, I, I met my great aunt after yeah, 38 years in a, a resort in um, off the coast of South Africa. And she hadn't seen me, this rickety old aunt. And she walked up to me and she first thing she asked me, she put her hand on my belly and she said, how's the poop? <laughs> and what she's really asking me is, how are you? What we know today, I think it was 10 years ago that Scientific American, 10 years ago, Scientific American had an article on the gut-brain connection, which you all now are familiar. But remember, 10 years ago, when you said that, people didn't believe you. What does the gut have to do with the brain? You know, I have a, my son is a, a neuroscientist, a PhD in neuroscience. I remember talking to his department. They had not even thought about the brain and the gut. This is very new science, but in all wisdom cultures, this has been um, well studied. And in, particularly in India, I have some theories on that. We are obsessed with <laughs> toilet habits because we believe that that's where your happiness lies. What we know today is that the vast majority of your serotonin is produced in the gut. So if your gut is full of dysbiosis, if you have 
lot of toxins and all that, you're just not producing the neurotransmitters, the hormones that you need to even overcome the hurdles that are coming your way. So depression is very well tied to that. It's not the be and an end all. And of course, it's bi-directional. The more stressed you are, the more your gut goes out of, out of whack. And the more out of whack you are, your, you know, your, your, your mind goes out of whack. So in my work, whatever is happening in people's life, I begin with the digestive system. Because if I just ignore that, and we do counseling on relationships or grief, grieve or any grieving, anything, you can't. So, you know, you know, begins with good bowel habits. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's sort of a joke in my family. I know Lorena and I joke about it. And, but actually, I take it very, very seriously. You know, you have to keep a poop diary. You have to know that you're doing well. It will really, I mean, it, and that is something you can do something about, actually. When life is falling up around you, you can regulate your eating habits. And, you know, there are wonderful herbs that we use in Ayurveda. There is one that I, you know, we use very commonly. It's called triphalides, three fruits. And we say in our culture, you don't have a mother, don't worry, you have triphala. Because we relate your digestive health to the comfort your mother gives you. So you can replace, if you're under a lot of stress, you can re- take that particular thing herb every night and you will begin to di- regulate your digestive system, it will then give you the, the neurotransmitters, the hormones, you know, that you need to, to overcome the problems that lie ahead. So I think that's that's the, Lorena, is that kind of the poop story you wanted to hear? Yes, and uh, I, think it's, I think it's fascinating. I had never even thought about the gift of time. You know, even that needs time. You need rituals like wake up in the morning, warm food or water, what do you recommend? What would be the ideal cycle? So the ideal, you know, again, we never give one treatment because it is unique, depends on your constitution. Those of you who know Ayurveda a little bit, we work with Vata, Pitta and Kapha. These are the three main constitution, you know, the air element, the fire element and the earth water element. But generally speaking, I think in the West, most of us struggle with digestive problems. In in a given day, especially if you're rushing around, I, I think I don't recommend first thing in the morning cold smoothies. You all know that. You start with some warm water, some raw honey, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing if you get, you know, if you get raw unpasteurized honey because it opens the channels so that they can, they're loose enough. To, and we use with some lime and then followed by a light breakfast. Your best meal, your high protein meal should be at lunch and no late eating, which is really a big part of Mexican culture and Indian culture as well. And that is one of the hardest thing when I'm working with my Mexican clients is to tell them, no, you can't eat at nine o'clock a really heavy meal. But they say that's when the party starts. But (laughs) if if you're under a lot of stress, mental, physical, or spiritual stress, it really will make a difference if you finish your last meal before sunset because it will regulate your digestive system with the sunrise and sunset. You know, when the sun rises, our hydrochloric acid, all the acid starts to rise. When the sun sets, they shut down. But again, we, you know, we will uh, customize for depending on your constitution. If you have a very fiery constitution, you can eat late at night and still do better. My, my favorite is people, those of you listening will associate with that. So many people call me and call, tell me, I wake up every night between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. I don't know why. We know right away it's a digestive issue. It's a very common thing. And it's actually high pitta. It's actually when the acids are coming into your body, they're waking you up. So you can work around that, regulating your diet. Yes, it's, it's been the issue of my life. Yeah. And <laughs> and I wake up thinking about what I'm going to eat today. So I feel good. If my digestive system doesn't work, mm-hmm. my brain doesn't work. I get a foggy brain. I cannot concentrate I even feel my cognitive skills are way lower. I leave it every day if I don't take care of it. And there are nights, many nights that I wake up between two, three, out of the nothing. I'm in a deep sleep and then I just wake up and then I, I feel it. And I wonder if it's my liver. Like I feel some something is going on. I do feel it. I almost feel I live for my stomach to have a healthy stomach and a healthy diet. So I 
totally understand what you're talking about. Well, I think yeah. that traditional cultures lived with the circadian rhythms. You know, they woke up early and they ate and they went to bed when, you know, there was no light. And we are all now, we are part of nature. We don't realize that. Even your birth horoscope is really not your horoscope. It's the condition of nature at the time you're born. If you're born during a solar eclipse, lunar eclipse, that means something. So we have chronic digestive issues, which has led to chronic mental health issues. Um, and and it's, it's starting to come to light. It's not new anymore. But remember, I've been doing this for a long time. But 10 years ago, if you talked about the gut-brain connection, you know, Ayurveda is probably the best system to work with for digestive issues. And there's a lot of rules and regulations, but it's, it's worth it. Renu, I have a question. Do uh -huh. you keep a poop journal when you have a healthy gut? Do you recommend that you always keep a poop journal? <laughs> no. You know, I, I mean poop journal as in, I meant that a little facetiously. I, I think you don't really need to keep a poop journal unless you're really struggling, okay. you know, but I, I mean that more mentally. Just, you know, be aware. I think that it's interesting. You know, my mother is now, what, 88? <laughs> If she doesn't go one day, you know, I call her every day. I, I, you must know that. With I don't know if it's the same yeah. in Lebanese culture. Yeah. My mother is on the phone. She's 88. And she's like, oh, I haven't gone today. The whole story will continue. For <laughs> and in the Western culture, we don't even think about that. Yeah. You know, people come to me, oh, I haven't been in a week. And I'm like, what are you? You know, so, so I think <laughs> I mean it that way. We're in cultures where you have not, people have not been taught that you're, you have to have good two bowel movements a day if you want to stay physically but also mentally healthy to be able to counter the dragons we're going to meet in this life. It's not an easy life. So I think I meant it that way. Okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep a, a mental note too. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so does it change? You've taught me that there's kapha, pita, and vata. Uh -huh. So could you tell us a little bit about that and that, you know, the body constitutions and whatever you eat is what you digest and process? Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, all of the Vedic yogic system of knowledge is based on the five elements. And you you see that in Chinese medicine too. Um, they add wood and metal, which we don't use. So basically fire, air, earth, water, and ether. Those are the five elements. They are functioning in our constitution in different ways. And everybody has a different constitution. So one of the first things we do when I look at a horoscope, I make a soul's constitution. Then I take your pulse. I make your um, physical constitution. So we divide it into three con main constitutions, vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is the um, constitution that's dominated by air and ether. People who have that constitution tend to be chatty like me. Um, <laughs> you know, they tend to be, they may go towards more dry skin. They tend to have drier intestinal health. So the vast majority of people who struggle with constipation, for example, will have a vata constitution. They just don't have the moisture in their system to move the bowels, just putting it very simply. People who are very pitta, the fire element people, you know, I will look at them and say, you have digestive issues. And let's say I don't because they have copious amounts of hydrochloric acid, but they're waking up at 2 or 3 a.m. at night, so they're struggling with other things because that's when those acids nature puts them in our stump, lower intestines at that time. They will struggle more with loose loose movements. So vata, the air elements, will struggle more with dryness and constipation. And kapha tend to have more mucus issues in their bowel movements. So what we do is when we, when we make a diagnosis, you know, we, we look at what is dominating that person's constitution. You know, like your daughter, Patty, Lorena, mm -hmm. um, she's very pitta, very pitta. She, she was just hot. You remember you used to tell me yes. that she just couldn't keep a blanket on. So, you you know, that's always the fun thing. Even when you have three children, each child has a different constitution. I always tell my kids, the average of you two would be great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know they're the two extremes, right? Completely extreme. You know, my son is very, I mean, his legs are like, you know, muscular. My daughter... 12, she did ballet point for 12 years solid, not a muscle on her leg. That's a constitutional issue. She's vata, she's air element, she's a writer, she's a, you know, and my son is much more kapha, the water and earth, you know, kind of like if you mix mud together, water and earth, you get those solid people. Lorena tends towards kapha and, and um, water and earth. Uh, that's her constitution. So something Renu has taught me is also... 
you know, oh, okay, now I was so, you know, excited. Like, he's Vata, he's Kafa, he's Pita. And then he's like, wait, where, where is balance? You know, I might, might be very Kafa, very watery, but if I'm not grounded, I'm like a puddle. Yeah. I'm all over, my thoughts are not clear. So Renu taught me on, you know, you need to work on your earth element. So is that act of balancing where you need to flow or even the example with pita you know heat is good in a warm cup of tea or it can burn out you know it could become a wildfire so i think it's fascinating that life is truly about balance right finding the right balance on what is it that you need and that there's no set formula for the family or the community or it needs to you you truly need to know your constitution to understand and another thing that stuck to me is how you say even how you talk I can see what element is off I remember telling Renu I feel like I'm drowning and she goes water <laughs> some people say I don't know where my head is I'm foggy yeah. You know, that's air. So it's been fascinating to be, you know, having conversations with people and identifying. Um, Eduardo, my husband, will say, like, you need to have your feet on the ground. And I'm like, oh, earth, you know. Uh -huh. So you just start understanding a little bit of your community's constitution and who can help ba balance you or who will make you more of a puddle if if it's my case and be overrun by emotions and so this brought a lot of awareness on my kids as well how they describe their day at school I can see what I can serve for dinner to see kind of what help they need to to have a good night's sleep so th this was very helpful yeah I think that's that's the key to the the, the system of healing is that it is Each of us has a unique ecosystem, you know, body ecosystem, even unique karma. And so one size doesn't fit all. So remember, Lorena, the Vata, Pitta, and Kapha are called doshas. Those of you who are familiar with Ayurveda, dosha simply means your flaw. They're not, they're your, your hubris. They are your fatal flaw of the hero. You know, the hero, the Greek tragedy, always has a fatal flaw. In organizing the body, these systems go out of order. And some people, the air element goes out of order and you get all foggy and airheaded and ADD. And some, the water element, you get sluggish. Or the earth element, you're sluggish. You, you know, in the fire element, you want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> so those are your flaws. And part of what we teach is first we identify those. And then, you know, it is to, to bring them into balance. So you get angry when you need to. You know, you, you know when you when it's useful, you don't just lose control. So as Lorena said, it is everything is it's the language of nature. Fire is great to keep you warm, but if you get a wildfire, you're gonna burn. Water is great to keep you smooth and flowing, but if you get too much, you will drown. So essentially, all of yogic knowledge is the language of nature, and that's what we do. We connect you back to the language of nature. And once you start seeing the patterns, as Lorena said, it, you don't need to study it. You'll see it. You will feel it. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. And I remember you a while back, you told me I, I had a lot of vata and I needed, I needed pita. And I, she said, stop eating salads. <laughs> you need to eat warm foods and more soup. And, and I always think about having a warm soup if, if I'm craving a salad or have the salmon cooked warm instead of the salmon salad. I always think about you. <laughs> and and it's, it's true what also Lorena says, that be open to those comments. When Eduardo was telling you, kept you thinking, I need to... Totally. You know, settle instead down. Instead of reacting emotionally, mm -hmm. it's, he's actually helping you. Yeah. So be open to those comments and listening uh, what's going on inside yourself. So I think... That's your gut telling you to listen and embrace the comment in a different di direction, I think. Yes. <laughs> I'm like writing down everything. Yeah, What is vata again? So vata, so remember we got three doshas. They're called doshas. Don't confuse them with dashas. 
um, which is the planetary periods. Dosha simply means your flaw, your hubris, where you've gone out of control. You've, you know, you've lost it. So, and that's where all disease comes from and the doshas. And actually that in not just physical disease, even all the problems in our life will eventually rise. So vata is the air element. It's air and ether uh, element. Uh, it's light, it's breezy, it's dry, it's it's rough. Kapha is the water element, water and a little bit of earth. And it's it's slow. It's, you know, people with water element, they speak a little slower. They uh, And pitta is the fire element with a little bit of water. And these are just what we... So actually, it's interesting. In Ayurveda, we don't diagnose disease, mental, physical, or spiritual. We diagnose which dosha is off, and we go to fix that dosha. So it doesn't matter even if it's cancer. It's We are interested in which... So because we believe that if you, if you bring the doshas into balance in the body... It's the same in Chinese medicine. All traditional medicines have done that because diagnosing a disease is localizing that organ or that, you know, we, the whole system. So we work on the mental, physical, and spiritual level to bring those elements into harmony. I have a beautiful um, guided meditation on my YouTube channel you can listen to, which will, can teach you how to, to balance all the elements in your, in your constitution. I can't wait to see it. Yes. <laughs> and and Renu also, the doshas apply in body shape. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. And I think that's fascinating. Just between um, like us four, I could imagine Uni and I have more water mm -hmm. just yeah. by our round yeah. mm -hmm. constitution. Absolutely. And the way we move. What would you think about Lulu or Elizabeth? I see that. Vata Pitta or Pitta Vata in both of them. So again, the body shape, remember I said like my daughter who is, you know, she works out every day, she does, but she doesn't develop the the muscle. Low muscle tone, high muscle tone, Pitta people, the fire people, they have very high muscle tone. They work out like my husband for, you know, 10 days and he builds a muscle, you know, <laughs> and, and very quickly. And again, so all of that is Ayurvedic medicine, but generally the heavier set people have more, Kapha, water element. The light people are like the air. They're like, you know, they, they lose weight easily, our air element and the medium. But you can, it goes beyond that. You can tell by the features of your nose, your, uh, I mean, your size of your nose, your eyes, your eyebrows. We are taught actually to see your constitution in your eyebrows and your forehead. It's fascinating. Somebody walks in, you can see it. It's, it's a, you know, because remember, you never separate. Ultimately, it's all physical as well. Everything is happening in your physiology. So that's where the body, mind, soul work together. You can't leave out one system, right? So in, in today's world, we got into body and mind, but now we've added the DNA testing. So the DNA testing, from my perspective, is the Vedic horoscope. Yes. Something I learned through my experience with a malpractice is that I always saw a doctor, a doctor like an authority. <laughs> I don't know why I never thought I had a voice. I, I was uneducated, literally. When they told me I had a tumor in my adrenal, this will sound dumb, everyone. I thought that I had the adrenal in my head. <laughs> 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 I didn't even know yeah. about anatomy, right. which makes me sad, right? It's It should be something that we at least know their functions and why we need to take care of it. So one of the biggest lessons has been being my own health advocate and speaking up. But before this happening, you need to educate yourself because sometimes you get a little overwhelmed by emotions and like, if I ask for a second opinion, will I hurt his feelings? Or what if he, if the doctor doesn't want to see me again? And and it's our right and responsibility, you know, if we're going to go into a surgery to be well informed. That for me has been one of the biggest lessons in life. When I'm going through a, a, a healing crisis, Renu taught me a beautiful concept about you need to treat yourself like a flower like a very delicate flower that, you know, it's easy to lose your petals and you're, you're injured. And I had never even given myself the opportunity to project myself as someone that would be so fragile. And once I started learning the gift of time, of stopping and n nourishing, there were times because I went 
go and visit Benu on Tuesdays. And I would just arrive there and I told her, I need to lie down on, on your therapy bed. You know, I don't even have words. There there are days when you just want to be... Cuddle. In, cuddle and in silence. And normally I would be like, what if she misinterpreted? You know, I she's a professional. And, and when, when I told her, Renu, like... I, I am so tired. Like even driving here was like climbing Kilimanjaro. It was like the biggest thing I've ever done. And the nurturing, it's beautiful that when you're vulnerable, she put a blanket, some music, and she just left. And I also have to give it to Joseph here when I came to record the audio, the audio version for the book. He's like, your voice is off today, you know, are your vocal cords tired? And I would be, <clears throat> no, 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 it's not that. Um, let me compare your voice to from yesterday. And and then I was like, be your own self-advocate. And I'm like, Joseph, I'm so sorry, but I think I need to take a nap. And he's like, sure, pick any sofa, wherever you want. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. We were two strangers, but he nourished me, you know. And I went to that white sofa and I thought I only needed 20 minutes. And then he goes, Lorena, it's been 45. And I'm like, oh. but it was beautiful that as human beings, we all do want the best for each other. But if we don't speak up and say, you know, this is how I'm feeling, he's just doing his job and pushing through. Mm -hmm. And actually that that that's a way I connected with him. So it's between those honest, vulnerable interactions where I have healed the most in sharing my fears with my friends, with knowing that um, I don't have any secrets that would harm me and just being transparent and and straightforward has been part of what has lifted my spirit. So instead of being very foreign in a new country with new community, new everything, the only thing I needed to change was be vulnerable and ask for help. It was that simple. Friends came and brought meals. They made a schedule and visited me. My friends that love praying sent me prayers, you know. I was living in such abundance and realized I live in a beautiful place with beautiful people around me. And I had been living with them almost for six years and I had not seen those qualities in them. But it is actually because I opened my heart that um, I was willing to see that. So I, I think that part of the healing process is asking for help. I have a question. Do you think you did that before the surgery and going through this journey? Because I, I've seen you do this so often over the last few years where you will share a very vulnerable story with a stranger or, you know, or someone you're close to. And I see you open up so often. Did you have to work to get to that process? So, you know, a lot of it comes from childhood. My father being in the media business, I had to be very careful on what I, re you know, if I repeat, if I say this, I say that. I didn't know how to compartmentalize. So I just put it all in the don't share bucket. It was always a front. Instead of, you know, friends, you can have, don't share, you know, the political views that your parents have or th that's their thing to share. But um, somehow I learned that I needed to get to know Lorena and have ownership of my own. I was somehow under the essence of the family unit, but had not found who I was, my true self. You know, I wanted to add something interesting to that. One of the things we say in Ayurvedic medicine is treat vata like a flower, the air element like a flower. Treat pitta, the fire element, like a friend. And treat kapha like your enemy. Okay, so so again, when you are working with people, not everybody needs to be treated like a flower. So let me give you an example. Now, normally, if you are physically 
not well, no matter what your normal constitution, vata has gone off. Your air element, you know, you're scattered, you're scared, that's air element. But so in my work, you know, I, off, I know when somebody walks into my office, today they need, you know, to be treated like a flower. And I, I know, Lorena, you slept on my um, therapy bed for two hours once. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. I just walked out and you were, because, um, and. Uh, you, you mothered me, literally. Yeah, that's, that's what I needed. when you are the flower. You don't need a, you know, counseling session. You just need sometimes just a hot drink. But, you know, in my work, I will often see, especially I have to say this with men, Men tend to be more fire and pitta element. Um, and, and when they come in, you can't treat them like a flower. You can't say, get on the bed and sleep. You have to treat them very, you know, because in my office, you come in, you're supposed to take your shoes off. Sometimes the first time people come in, they're so, I think, closed in a way. They don't want to share their vulnerability. I won't tell them to take their shoes off because even that is, they have to be feel so vulnerable. And then when we say treat kapha like an enemy, which was an interesting one, because people with a lot of earth and water, it's hard for them. Lorena, sometimes you know that you've been there. Hard for them to get moving, yes. to make the changes. You tell the air element people, they're like, Lulu's like, oh, I'm not going to eat salads anymore. But sometimes you <laughs> would tell like, so some, in your enemy, you have to be very blunt with them. So look, very. you're not, you're going to get really sick. So I think, again, I want to just show you that there are so many, each person needs, and when we talk about relationships, we will see, especially, you know, in marriage, your partner is not going to have your constitution. What you need, he doesn't need. And what he needs, you don't need always. And that's when it gets tough. <laughs> Renu, I have a question about the constitution. Sure. The doshas. Uh, so if you are born one of these three, kapha, pita, or vata, are you always going to be that? Or are there times in your life where you may be, or did, can something like in Lorena's case, something life-altering happen that you used to be more like a kapha and then you become a pita or, or something? Yeah, that that's, and I, I'll just give you a very quick answer, but it's that's definitely a very long discussion. But in Ayurvedic medicine, you have your prakriti, which is your congenital, constitution, mm -hmm. but then based on life events, mm -hmm. it can change. So yes, so Lorena may be, you know, kapha, but when she was going through all this trauma, the vata was overtaking her, her inborn constitution. So yeah, they do change. So we stay aware of that, you know, and even environment can change it. If you are, you know, if you're in a very hot environment, you know, you can go off. I mean, menopause can change it. And then, you know, we go deeper. So, mm -hmm. but you do have okay. your prakriti, which is your congenital, and then your vikriti, which is your current oh. constitution. Okay. So we separate the two. Uh-huh. So interesting. No, I'm just going to say that I might call you Reno and go and sleep at your <laughs> sofa. <laughs> It sounds really, really Yeah, if you don't good. sleep, you don't poop, okay? So back to the last one. You all it's know all related. Okay. All back together. Okay. Yes, can, it can, all comes back together. Can I, can I go a couple hours and sleep? <laughs> I think you're going to be really busy, Renu, with all of us. We all, we all hey, need, come a, on over. I we all need some help. Exactly. But 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 I think we, we all need to be aware as women that, yes, we need to treat us as flowers, ourselves first and put us in that because just the pushing through that you were talking about always there are times that you can't and when you're feeling and you talk about this when you're feeling a six it's a six and you want to say it's a nine and you want to you want to push through and and be a nine but you are not at the moment and you have to be gentle and be aware that you need that rest, you need that moment for yourself, you need that comfort food, or you need that friend, or that 20 minutes nap, that I also been with you, and, and, and you have said, I need to sleep. <laughs> Let me take 20 minutes. <laughs> so, so nice to be discomfortable and being with a friend and said I just need 20 minutes mm -hmm. okay I'm here and it's beautiful to know this is not personal like oh, no. yeah it's not that you're boring me it's you're actually helping me mm -hmm. you know it's a totally different vision mm 
Lorena Junco Margain, passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief. With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the way to Casa Lotus is the gripping true story of Junka Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake. Mindful that even good people make errors and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casa Lotus on Amazon or at LorenaJuncoMargain.com. Another thing that was fascinating for me through my healing journey is breathing. I tend to forget mm -hmm. to breathe mm -hmm. and I have shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of content Renu could show with us, but even there's cooling techniques. If you have high, high pita, you know, very fiery or the contrary. And could you tell us a little bit on how you can heal through breathing practices? And sure. Actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm gonna stay on the topic we were on last because I, I feel so uh, urgently I have to share that. So of course. Let me just, um, I think one of the, the things that, I'm, that I find the most difficult in our Western culture is how little attention is given to women after they give birth. Because I, I know, you, you know, you'll know in your Lebanese culture, for example, we, there, is, there are rich, I'm not familiar with the Mexican, but I think when women give birth, it's like having run two marathons. But we are expected to, and I think, Lorena, a lot of your, you know, your health issues also are compounding because you were giving birth and not recovering. I agree. Plus being in the middle of, you know, fleeing from Mexico. And C-sections. And C-sections. And we are... You know, we're told you're on your feet 40, 24 hours later, you're off. But in, in all traditional cultures, there is a group of women that show up and they take care of you from the moment. I mean, I know, you know, my mother did for me. Literally, she would not even let me, you know, do one thing. She would just come in. She would give me the baby to breastfeed, and then she would go outside and keep the baby so I could rest. We don't get that in this culture. Women don't get to recover and be the flower they need to be after they've had a baby. They're rushed to work. They're rushed to, and, it, you know, you don't have to have a lot of help even, but it used to be very cultural that women came, you know, the massages. And so I, I just wanted to point out that a lot of times, a lot of the health issues that I'm seeing in my work are coming, not because they are constitutions. It's they're having babies and you're back in your tight jeans, you know, you haven't had time to recover. I, I agree. And I totally see that difference in culture. I see as the American woman, as a really hard worker, but... There are ways that if I'm feeling tired, if my back is achy, and if I'm an HEV and they say, can I help you with your cart? And I'm feeling that way, I said, yes, because I just need someone to help me and carry those bags. And I almost see none of the women do that here. And there, there are times that you just need someone to carry your bags. It's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I that's my view. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think, Lorena, that looking back on it, you can see that, you know, you have to robust build your health back once you have the baby to produce enough milk and all of that. But we have so many traditions and cultures and rituals also Correct. that, you know, take place to make sure, to ensure, because at that moment, no matter what your constitution, your air element is off. Okay, your yes. vata is off. So that's the flower treatment. And then Lorena, you asked me about breathing. Breathing, of course, is the key to anyone. You know, if all of you gone to yoga class, your breath is your prana, is your life force. And, you know, just briefly what I'll say is, you know, you have a left nostril and a right nostril. 
you know, the left is your lunar energy and right is your solar energy. It's Which your is feminine and masculine. masculine. And we see that in the horoscope too, the sun and the moon. And we're back to nature. And if you're trying to go to sleep and your right nostril is active, you're not going to fall asleep because your sun, your your the hormones. Actually, you if, if you close your eyes and breathe, you will notice one nostril right now is more active than the other. Mm-hmm. So Renu taught me even I had I just thought it was equal in, equal mm-hmm. out, you yeah. know. And I've had plenty of panic attacks before surgeries, before going to the doctor, and breathing saved me. Mm-hmm. Literally, I would park my car, close my eyes, and just breathe. And it's free, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, just breathe, calm mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point that... I even felt as if I had taken a, a Xanax. Yeah, like sure. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. I need to remember doing that and telling people. I think it's very. There's a lot of rules here in the U.S. where you know you don't answer your phone because it's disrespectful and you don't interrupt and you don't. At least from a, a, being a foreigner, so. Again, I didn't compartmentalize and I'm like, you don't stand up from the table if you need to go to the bathroom and breathe. Like, so I just started pushing, pushing, pushing Eduardo with his business commitments. I ended up being on heel shoes, high heel shoes, and you were furious. You're like, (laughs) Why are you wearing those shoes? You just had surgery. And I'm like... I remember that night. Remember I that remember night, that, that, that event? You were at the Formula One party. Yes. Yeah, you yes. were wearing very high... It was what, a week after the surgery? A week after the I surgery. I was like, oh yes. no. I, I felt like a clown with makeup and high oh. heels. And, you know, I had stitches in mm. my abdomen. Mm-mm. And I was smiling and pretending like, you know, I'm cool and strong. And I'm always showing up for my husband. But I was actually being very violent to my body mm-hmm. yes. and to my soul. And at that time, Eduardo didn't see it because we were uneducated. But mm-hmm. right now it's like, I cannot believe we pulled that off while, mm-hmm. you know, this was happening. And so I think we both have been slowly evolving, having more awareness on right now, you know, you need to take care of your body. And that has been one of the COVID gifts. I think Mm -hmm. that we have had time to, first of all, communicate as a family when you're losing it, when you're going through a down through, you know, so trying to find silver linings. And Elizabeth, you were there, but even you being two weeks from delivery, like that was wrong, you know, but we push ourselves so hard. I didn't realize how often I stopped breathing until I started wearing an Apple Watch. You know, I got a, an Apple Watch. I I would wear it. And so many times throughout the day, it would pop up as breathe. And I'd look wow. down and, and I'd think about it. And it made me a lot more conscious about how much, if I'm very focused on something, if I'm moving too fast, I just don't take a breath. Is it a cultural thing? It's almost as if that we haven't been taught early on to pay attention yeah. to this. Well, Maybe that's a question for you, Renu, but... I don't know if breathing is... A, I think we actually do diagnose, you know, you know, you have a certain number of breaths in a lifetime, and all of us wow. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if really? you breathe, you know, shallow breathing does shorten your life, oh. just as an anecdote. But I, I don't know if that's cultural. I think that is just constitutional mm-hmm. and stress, I of course. But I think what is cult- cultural... Because, you know, I work as an advocate for my clients when they are not well. You know, I, I work with their doctors, I, all of that stuff. But the main thing that I have to advocate, which I find I always run into, is no matter how serious your health issues, the doctors will tell you. I, I honestly know a COVID doctor who's a COVID doctor who was in the hospital with COVID treatment, his doctor came in and released him and said, you go back to work on Monday. Um, So I think our culture here, the medical system says, and there's some reason to it, the sooner you get back to normal life, right? And I think that's, Lorena, what you were trying to do. You were young, you know, you're very young. I have to remember that. You wanted to be back in normal life. Mm -hmm. You wanted to look, be, have 
you know, beautiful makeup and hair. And and I and I didn't want to be a burden. I yeah, think that's want, always yeah. been a thing for me. Like, Eddie, I'm here to support you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to ruin your plans. And that brings me to a very important thing that Nikita, your daughter, once told me. It's like your life is on Amazon Prime. Like, <laughs> instant gratification mm-hmm. since yeah. you're... You know, you get everything whenever you want because of the circumstances. We grew up even more. And I assumed that was how it was with health as well. Yeah. You know, like surgery. Okay, next. And and actually, surgery is just midway. Taking care mm-hmm. of yourself after a surgery is actually when you can, if you do it right, it's successful. So I've learned also to pause and say... Life goes on, the world goes on, even if I disappear for three weeks, it's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. we will figure it out. And I think that one of the things I've learned is that this hyperstimulation that we live with, with the cell phones and, you know, checking emails for the kids and even the online schooling, we're on a kind of a crisis mode all day, putting out fires Mm -hmm. and... And then I pause and say, you know, this this shouldn't be. And I've had friends, I don't want to mention names, but she says, oh, lunch with you takes like two hours and you want to dig. <laughs> oh, my wanna gosh. Dip, you oh. want to dig deep. And I just can't. I just want to talk about shoes, you know. Yeah, shoes. And, and I remember being, you know, hurt by that comment. And I told Renu, you know, I don't know why... People don't want to dig deep. And instead of Renu bending in and telling me, oh, yes, you're the, the, the deep thinker, she told me, you might need to expose yourself to different types of people because you, there are your teachers as well. So I think it's important to, t- to have the uncomfortable conversations, the ones that praise you, the ones that tell you, you know, too deep or too shallow, or long hair, is this or that, you know. And it's your body to digest. You have your body and your mind to digest that. But it's a growth spurt to be surrounded by different people, not just being a very homogeneous group of friends you surround yourself with. And I think I've been very mindful about that, reaching out, looking for roots, digging roots here in my community. At first, my only friends were my family because that's who I trusted. And then it was my Mexican friends and then my Hispanic friends. And then I'm like, <laughs> friends are friends. No matter where you're from, you know, we we can all connect through different languages. Elizabeth has always told me, what's your love? How do you say it? What's your love language? What's your love language? And I would love talking a, a little bit about that. Well, I think there's, there's, we actually heard a gentleman speak about this and there's different love languages and it's, um, it's kind of like the things that Renu has been sharing. I think it's important to understand what your love language is, what your children's love languages are, your significant others, because what is important to me might not be important to you. And a, a great example of that is um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to give my husband for his birthday. Well, I was thinking of the, my love language instead of thinking about what his love language is. And so this comes up because Lorena is the best of giving people gifts and giving them praises and um, uplifting each other. And I said, your love language must be gifts. And she said, and I assumed it was everyone's. Yes. <laughs> but on the flip no, side, receiving them. <laughs> that's your love language is receiving them. <laughs> uh, she loves she loves receiving her Just gifts. <laughs> but do you guys Yes, her gifts. <laughs> her love language though and what she lo- needs for herself is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So which was interesting. So, you know, I'm thinking I need to give her gifts, but really giving her praises and, you know, giving her the gift of lifting her up with my words is what really works for her. So I think it's fascinating. Yes, a written note for me gets me. And I think it also ties up to, I remember you, Renu telling me, 
you don't go to Tokyo and order tacos, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. You know, we actually need to think on what's their language right. if you truly if you truly want to have communication with your partner. And it, it has helped me if I tell Eduardo, this is how I feel. I lost him. He's already right. like, oh. Feelings, feelings, feelings. Yeah, he's, but he's very earth, you know, yes. your husband. We'll uh -huh. talk about them in the relationship section, but I think it comes down, to, I always joke that we give others what we want them to give us. That's how you know somebody's love language. And that's where we get all messed up. I gave you so much, but you didn't give me what I needed, mm -hmm. right? And we didn't give them always what they needed. You know, so I get this all the time. People will say, well, you know, what if your love language is, you know, I want to get up, I clean the dishes, I clean the car. I Service. But, you know, somebody else's is, it's all, that's again back to constitution. I think it's that individual differences. And that truly is our journey, is to become whole. Lorena, as you were saying, some people like me, everything turns into a philosophy. That's who I am. But you know, I could be a little more light and breezy and just go party a bit, right? <laughs> right? And so it's nice to have that. That's That will be the polarity coming together. And I think that's that's how we become whole when we accept we're all different in every way. It's yep. okay. Somebody wants to talk about shoes? Uh, yes. Well, I, I was going to say that, yes. I, I think we play a movie in our heads about your partner being certain way. Oh, gosh, you want yeah. him to... <laughs> I'm sure he has a different movie, and mm -hmm. and then you just have to to see what's his movie about. You just have to go to the other place and realize what the difference of wanting wanting things or showing love are. But yeah, this, this, this is the truth. So what what you're talking about is we we just don't accept the way they do things are not the way they want us to, you know. We want to receive their love. It can be different and just be open and open your eyes and say, like, feel, wash well, my car and here's your, your car clean always. And, and, and it, it applies in every relationship. When the doctor did the malpractice, Dr. Umano, I waited for two years to decide if I was going to move forward with the lawsuit or not. Mm -hmm. I truly was waiting for his phone call to tell me that he tells me that he loved me. You, you know, right now. I know, I remember that. I, I, I even wanted to call my book, like, please love me or some shit like that. And I'm like, <laughs> why am I expecting? That's me. You that's, know, I yeah, was expecting me through him. him. Right. And that's when I started understanding, like, Lorena, he has his life, his train of thought, his way of being a human being. And... His um, movie, his, his own movie, yeah. And um, his complexion, totally different than mine. And it, it doesn't mean that it's good or bad. We're both human. And that was part of my healing process, understanding also he's not me. He doesn't have to speak in my language. So that was part of the process I forgave me as well because I only wanted him to love me and I needed to love me, you know. That can only come from within and making peace with that concept was very liberating. And the new version of yourself because there was this other Lorena. This happens to you that changed your life completely. So this is a new version of you. So you just have to love that new Lorena too. And I was so scared of him. I remember being at the airport and with my mother and I felt a very tall man behind me and I just scooched down and like covered my head and my mom was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I think it's the doctor. Is the doctor behind me? And, and you know, she turns and, and she told me, Lorena, you're wrong. He's the one that should be afraid. So there was something with me that I I was being harsh on myself. I felt responsible that I had made that decision and I I hadn't put the information in the right place and I was being too harsh on myself and he was literally an assassin for me, mm -hmm. you know. So I had to do a lot of work on meditating on, you know, how did how did I recreate the the scene 
of the surgery. He was not there with a knife stabbing me, you know, from the outside. Protocol was followed. Everything went right. He was nice. He was careful. Of course, he did a huge mistake, which was never reading the interpretation or seeing the scans. But again, that's human. And in the book, we talk about sometimes, you know, being the fork in a socket. And then sometimes you will be the one that harms someone. And I still haven't been that person. But I think one of the gifts that come from going through this process is that whenever I hurt someone or destroy someone's life, which I hope that's not the case, I need to follow up. I need to be present and say, I won't leave you. I, I, I want to make it as easier or better as it can. And I think that is very transformative because the only thing I needed from him mm -hmm. is I care. Right. Because of the doctors I could get, you know. So it was more of an emotional And I guess that's very water, right? Yeah, well, I was going to say, this might wrap it up, but what we say in Ayurveda, again, is vata is fear of dying. It's literally, you know that when you get that nervous, it's it's the fear that, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. So we, 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 we work to transform vata by understanding that we are immortal. Pitta, the fire element, is fear of not shining, not being light. You know, and it's, so you see that with people who are very ambitious, you know, because they want to be the, the, you know, the top. They want to be on the stage. So we want to transform that into I am light, you see. And the final one, Lorena, this one associates with you, what you're saying. Kapha is water element is the fear of not being loved. Correct. And you want to transform that to I am love. Yes. So you're no longer waiting. So we have, you know, that the medical system has all of this these constitutional differences. And I bless, you know, the doctor, bless him. He probably, he obviously does not have a lot of kapha, I can tell you, without meeting him because otherwise he would have picked up the phone. Yes. But his, you know, his fear, he probably had the fear. And then the fear of, I am so important, how could I make a mistake? You know, believe me, that goes into the denial barrier. I have just been through that last year, as you know, and it's not going to come out. Our culture has not trained the healers to be water to love, to hold, to, you know, they, they have not been trained in medical school. Do you think that the system has made them that way in like they are not taught on the you can screw it up? Like, should that be part of the curriculum or where do you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I mean, what I went through last year, we will at some point, I guess, get a chance to talk about it. I think you have your individual constitution as a medical professional, but then your training, the training is not just in medicine. You see that, you know, my son and husband are both scientists. They both are PhD, one in physics and one in neuroscience. And their training literally sucks the kapha out of them. It is so cerebral mm -hmm. and so um, it doesn't have that element in it. So I think a lot of it is is training. And there is talk. I mean, there you know, it's been going for a while. And Dr. Andrew Weil, he's one of the medical professionals who's been talking about it for 15 years that all that goes into the curriculum. We know that, you know, medical doctors get like five hours of nutrition training in their seven years of. So it, it is it is a problem. We all know that. And, uh, you know, it's but but there's also individual constitutions. You know, I think he just didn't have it. But I think the importance is to then back to our own responsibility to take care of ourselves and, and you know, feel self-love so you don't. I mean, it's, you know. I know you wanted so much for him to say, but he was just never going to say it. Bless him, you know. He couldn't. It's not in his constitution. Yes, it's not. And I, I love those three steps you mentioned in the book about forgiveness. And the step one is acknowledge. And then second is take it back. And the last one, the lessons. I, I, I love those three steps. Just keep them in my mind. I think those, those three are really good to remember when we come to maybe a situation where it was our fault and we can, we can just follow those steps because people need to listen from us 
also those words of I'm sorry, I take back my actions. I know I hurt you. Can we grow from this? Why is that so hard? <laughs> As you're saying that, you know, it's I love that you just quoted that that's in the book, but I think that is so hard for so many people. I think we get in our own way. There's pride. There's so much to why we can't just admit that we did something wrong and just to say the words, I'm sorry. I find that that's really hard for a lot of people just to say, I'm sorry, and to own it. Yeah, so. those, those, those three things is stuck with me. Something to remember. Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Hunko Magain. We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaHuncoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph Olkeen, audio and video editor Scott Caro, and our special guest featured in season one, including Renu Namjashi. Renu Namjashi.